Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want more shows on a weekly basis, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member because members get exclusive shows on Thursdays on the website and the Castos app. Plus you get the Tuesday shows ad free and access to any overtime segments that we might be doing. So if that interests you, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member. Now, friends, before we get into this week's show, I want to talk to you because this is the week that we've all been waiting for. We are doing the public premiere of Expedition Dogman this coming Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right on YouTube. All you got to do is go to the confessionals on YouTube, hit subscribe, of course, and watch Expedition Dogman this Friday night, March 25th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are premiering to the public Expedition Dogman. I'm excited about it. And me and the team are working on getting a live together for afterwards. So once the premiere is over, we're going to go live and talk to the audience about our experiences hunting the Dogman in Kentucky for Expedition Dogman. All right. And I got to tell you, friends, I am moving to Tennessee in three weeks from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area to Tennessee. I'm excited about it. As soon as I get down there the first week, I'm going to get myself some chickens. I'm going to start working on my garden, constructing the greenhouse, the chicken coop, all that stuff. If you listen to the show, you know I'm very much into preparation and self-sustainability, and I was not able to do those kind of things in the area that I'm moving from, but down there, I'm going to be able to, and I'm very excited about it, but there's a lot of listeners who cannot do those kind of things. 
things because they don't have the property for it or they don't have the know-how or the space. Things like that definitely can interfere with your will to prepare for those emergencies in your life. And that is where Prepare with the Confessionals comes in. I have stockpiles of food that I got from preparewiththeconfessionals.com. And it is something that I have relied on heavily in my food preparation in the years past because I did not have the space that I wanted for chickens and gardens and greenhouses and things like that. And so if you're one of those people in a similar position that want to be prepared but don't have this space or the ability to do so, head on over to preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. Get yourself emergency preparedness food that will last up to 25 years on the shelf and you'll be more prepared in case an emergency happens. All right, friends, listen, we have Dave coming on the show this week. And Dave is a very interesting case because he didn't know who I was and he never heard of me. But his wife contacted me saying that you got to talk to my husband. And she didn't even tell him until like a couple of weeks before we were supposed to do an interview. So she kind of sprung it on him. So when you hear me talk to this guy, this is a guy who really isn't familiar with me, really wasn't planning on sharing his paranormal experiences. But his wife kind of just put him in a position where, guess what? You're doing this. So let's get to Dave right now. All right. Today we got Dave on the show. Dave, what's going on, man? Uh, it's a it's a beautiful day today. It's uh, you know it's the weather's good. I am relaxed. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. I didn't know this was coming until a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know, <laughs> kind of uh, kind of excited, and you know, kind of kind of interested in in seeing where we end up today. Yeah, well, I, I am too, and I think it's funny that it, uh, to fill the audience in. Uh, your wife emailed me, Brandy emailed me, and uh, told me about you. We scheduled the interview. And the, apparently she never told you until a few weeks ago. She's like, oh, by the way, you're going on one of the biggest paranormal podcasts out there to tell your stories. Was it a birthday present or what? <laughs> you know, it was one of those, what did you do moments <laughs> more than anything else? It was like, you've got to be kidding me. And then and then your mind, you know, starts reeling. What all have we talked about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of going back into into all of the stories, you know, over a 20-year span, you know, what did we talk about? What are the things that we haven't talked about, you know? So very interesting. I, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see where this goes. Yeah. Let me ask you one question before we get going here. You mentioned about how beautiful the day is. It's a beautiful day where I'm at. Are you in the Northeast area? I'm in the Midwest. Oh, Midwest. Yeah, okay. Midwest. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. I just, because yeah. I mean, today it's literally like, not a cloud in the sky, 72, and a nice, smooth breeze. And I'm just like looking out the window thinking, golly, I wish I could record outside, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and I've, I've been working from home for a couple of years. So understanding that, you know, just getting outside right now is like, it's, it's total freedom. You know, I have to get out and go for a drive occasionally. I just, I don't like being locked in. Yeah, that's the way I am too. I just started uh, getting back into fishing and stuff just to be outdoors and stuff. But all right, 
Enough of the small talk. Let's get into the business. Dave, you <laughs> no have... No more chit-chat. Let's get to it. Right. You have a, a very interesting life story of different experiences, but uh, you, you told me something just now before we started recording that I want to make sure we hit on to help lay the foundation as to who Dave is and maybe why uh, he has so much stuff going on in his life. So Dave, tell us your family lineage here, because there's somebody that has been you know, part of your family lineage that holds actually a very important piece to American history and the paranormal. Agreed. Agreed. And this came, you know, my grandmother, uh, when I, when I was younger and I had, I have older sisters and, uh, my grandmother would talk to us, uh, pretty regularly about her side of the family and, and lineage that was happening there. And one of the people that, that was in our side of the family was Bridget Bishop, the first witch, the, you know, the, the confessed or accused witch that was burned in the Salem witch, witch trials. And, you know, that always kind of struck home with me as in, and I always thought, you know, they have some connection there. And, and to me as a kid, it was more of being like first, some of the first people that came over and settled uh, into the, into the U S and, and made and helped build the country. I really didn't pay a lot of attention to, you know, the, the overtones of witchcraft or witchery or whatever she called it, you know, at the time. And, and that's always, you know, been an interesting part of our side of the history. Wasn't talked about a lot, but she would mention it on occasion and that, and that she would then step in to explain why we seem to be a little more connected to that paranormal realm or, or whatever you want to call it. So the your grandmother uh, breaks this down to you and stuff. And how old were you when she started telling you this stuff? Five, six, you know, right in there, five, six, seven years old. Did and, you know, and she would she would be talking to my sisters who were older and, and I'm sure understood, you know, the, the implications of what she was saying much more than I did. You know, I didn't really pay much attention to this until I got older and it struck me. It's like, ah. Okay, <laughs> now I understand. You know, this this all starts to make sense. But as a kid, I'm worried about going out to play basketball. I could care less, you know, about any of that. Yeah, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, man. Telling the five year old about this stuff, I, I imagine uh, it would be a little freaky, uh, especially once it starts sinking in with your own paranormal experiences, to, as to understanding that. Uh, it, it's bigger than just you, you know, it's like, it's one sure. thing to have an experience and you're like, Oh, that was weird, but it must just be because of the house or it must just be because I brought this home, brought home this weird looking doll from the thrift store, you know, <laughs> but, uh, knowing your family history, it, it starts sinking in. You're like, Oh, this might be a lifelong thing. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, right. It, well, one of the weird things that she would mention too is, you know, it's not like we're bringing home a Dybbuk box and all of a sudden you know, things started happening. Um, it, you know, she would talk about how her sisters practiced witchcraft and they were, she just called them witches. She, you know, my sisters were witches. They lived in very, very rural Eastern Kentucky. And she would talk about how when she was younger, she was woken up by one of her sisters. And she told this story multiple times. It never changed. But she would talk about how she was woken up one time. Uh, they had they lived on a small farm, and and literally you you live and die by your by your livestock and and you know things like that. So you know if your chickens die, if your livestock die, I mean you're in a real dire straits uh, when it comes to food and and food scarcity, things like that. So she would talk about her sisters coming to her and and appearing 
in a very small form and had on like the witch's hat, not, you know, the big tipped hat or whatever, sitting on her chest as like a tiny little person and telling her that her cow is thick and it's out further in the pasture and they need to go tend to it now or else it's going to die. And she would tell this story, I don't know, pretty regularly when she was, you know, buffering other stories she was telling. But she would talk about how she got up, you know, her sister disappeared and she got up and they had to go search for this cow that was out in a out in a pasture. And sure enough, it was down and it had a problem and they, they had to get it fixed up and, you know, keep the cow going. And, and that's that was one of her staple stories that she talked about regularly is how her I guess how her sisters could you know, she didn't know my grandmother had a fourth grade education. And she would talk about it. She didn't know what astral projection was or any of that kind of thing. So she didn't say they would astrally project. They were in a totally different town or totally different county. And they would, you know, astrally project to her to give her warnings for stuff. And then she would react to them. And, and you know, as a kid, you find that fascinating. You know, you, it's a little bs but you find it fascinating. But then the more stories and the more experiences you have, you start wondering, you know, okay, she's on to something. Yeah, that, that <laughs> I'd say so. I'd say so. Uh, let's talk about uh, your earliest experience. Now, I know uh, at first I thought we were going to go into Hatman, but it turns out before you moved and those experiences <laughs> popped up, you, you did have other things happening around five years old. So let's just start off in the earliest memories and try to work our way through uh, the life of Dave. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, the earliest memory that I ever have, and it's, it's, I can remember it like it happened yesterday. It, uh, I was, uh, I guess I was tormented at bedtime. We were living, we were living in a house in Kentucky and, um, at the, at the time. And, uh, and I was, I was awake. I couldn't get to sleep. So I go to my parents' room. I'm five years old. I get in bed with my parents and my mom, you know, would you pull me and put an arm over me and I'd go right to sleep. Right. And at that time, I just, I couldn't sleep. Something was bothering me. And I looked up and around the ceiling in the room, and it always reminds me of like Ghostbusters, you know, there were like these, these apparitions or these white vapors that were just swirling around the room. And I was absolutely terrified. I was afraid to move. I didn't know what it was. And I'm, I'm elbowing my mother in the ribs to tell her to look. And she just told me to ignore it and go to sleep, which kind of told me she could see it too, but she was ignoring it. And, and I thought that that was a little odd. There was no way I was going to go to sleep. I must have laid there and watched this go on for a good, I don't know, hour plus, you know, just watching these things swirl around the room. And my dad was on the other side, you know, snoring like a buzzsaw. So, you know, paying no attention whatsoever. But my mother, I'm 99.9% sure, saw it, understood it, and wasn't afraid of it, but uh, but told me to ignore it. And that's the earliest memory that I have. And I have, a, you know, and I'll go into something else that happened with her, you know, when, once we moved. There was a there was a transition period from when that happened. I was about five. So when we, we moved down to Florida and uh, we rented a trailer when we first moved down there, it was a single wide trailer. And this trailer had a lot, it had a lot of stuff going on in it. Um, 
just weird things. You know, my sister and I would witness, you know, we, at the time, but we had moved down there. There were, there were, we had a large family, but we had moved into this, this single wide trailer to, in order to find a, a, I guess, a normal place that was our landing spot. And, uh, in this house in particular, we, uh, we slept on a fold out couch in the living room. We would roll this thing out. It was like camping for the, for, at the time. And, you know, didn't, didn't pay a lot of attention to the closed spaces and everything else, but we would get on this thing and the sink in the kitchen would turn on. I mean, the handle would lift, the sink would turn on and it would run. And we would both just sit there amazed and looking at each other. Like, did you see that? And she'd look at me like, did you see that? You know, and she's, she's several years older than me. Uh, so, you know, one of us would eventually go over and turn the sink off and then, you get back and it would do it again, or the refrigerator door would open or a knife or a spoon or whatever off the counter would come off the counter. And, you know, those kinds of things would happen regularly. So, you know, fast forward to, uh, I think I was six, six years old and I, I was just about to start school. Uh, but every day I would take a nap. So my mom and I, she would go lay down with me to take a nap, uh, you know, until I fell asleep and then she'd get up and do whatever, you know, housework or, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is moms do during the day. <laughs> and, uh, and we're in one of the, one of the bedrooms and she lays down with me and, and I wake up and the lights are flashing on and off in the room. And, you know, it's like, okay, you know, wind's blowing, maybe the electric's on and off, but I know the light wasn't on when we laid down. Um, so it was a little odd. And, you know, so the light's flashing on and off and, and I'm, I'm, she's, she's awake and she told me to, to get up and, and get out of the room. So as I'm leaving the room, I look over and the light switch <laughs> His movie, it was a sideways light switch. There were two switches. There were two sides of the room, uh, two different rooms with a divider in the middle. And there were two light switches, one for each side, and they were on a slant. So they didn't flip up and down. They flipped side to side. The one on the top was flipping side to side, and I grabbed it to stop it, and it kept moving. And at the same time, I realized she's over there, and she's still in bed, and she's saying the Lord's Prayer out loud, and it just freaked me out, and everything just stopped, and it went silent. And she gets up, she comes out, she takes me outside, and we go for a walk. Never spoke of that moment again after that. Never said a word about it. Uh, she passed away last year, and we have never, outside of you know, one conversation, maybe within two weeks of that incident, never spoken of it again, but she was, she was there involved in it. She saw it. She experienced the same thing that I experienced. And that, that was a little freaky. Wow. Yeah. It definitely sounds, it definitely sounds freaky. So you, you were trying to stop it from flipping and it just wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah. I put my, I grabbed it with a, you know, a thumb and a finger and it just kept moving. It would not stop moving. And, and that was the point where I realized, okay, this, there's something else going on here. And I was, I was just paralyzed. Jeez. And you were six years old. Yeah. Six years old. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, at that point, yeah. I mean, you're, you're at the point where, yeah, my life's a little different, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think at that point you start to realize that things are happening. Like, 
you know, just, just strange stuff. Like I, it, it, as a kid, I mean, even as an adult now, I walk by like street lamps and they go out, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's weird. And that's one of the things that, that kind of prompted my wife and I to start talking about these things is, you know, like electricity, especially if I get near it, weird things happen. You know, I carry a huge static electricity charge. Don't get near me in the winter. I will shock you and, you know, and, and get attention. But, uh, uh, you know, just just strange stuff like that that you notice that anytime you know you get a I get around electronics, especially um, higher voltages, it, things happen like that where you know we'll be walking down the street and literally it's like okay one street lamp goes out that's you know okay anomaly, but then the second one goes down and you start wondering maybe it's you, so it, you know just it, it's those little things like that that happen. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's an experience that I've kind of lived with my whole life and I've kind of, I've just, just kind of gotten used to it as I've gotten older. I think I've blocked a lot of that, uh, I guess a lot of that energy out of my life and really haven't paid a lot of attention. You get busy doing other things and, and you really don't focus on it. And, you know, and, and we, we, you know, listen to a lot of stories and you know, do a lot of reading or even watch television shows about, you know, how kids are more susceptible to that. And as you get older, you kind of close your mind off to it. And I think that that's what's happened, you know, in a lot of ways with me um, and yeah, kind of go through life and it just becomes part of it. Yeah. Well, I, you mentioned about the electric stuff and I know your wife mentioned that in the email. She's like, he has an odd relationship with batteries and electricity. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And, and that, that would be accurate. That, that would be accurate. You know, we can, I can put fresh batteries in something and, and just drain it immediately. Um, you know, just, and it's, it's, it's just happened throughout my life. Well, I won't be taking you ghost hunting with me then. And, and if you did, you're not touching my equipment. You know, we've we've done a few of those trips, and uh, and they they've been inter- interesting to say the least. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, all right. Well, the next thing I have on my list is what you referenced earlier. So, if you want to do something else, it's fine. But the next thing I have on my list that your wife mentioned is the story about your mom and what happened to her. Yeah, and that that's really what that was. That story uh, that was the biggest story that I've ever been involved with 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 her. But I think. She was experiencing a lot of these things outside of my purview. You know, things were happening that I wasn't aware of with her because she would just take them in stride, you know. And and when that particular incident happened in that particular location, um, she I think she was a little rattled at that time, too. So typically she would just take it in stride and, and brush it off. Uh, but when she couldn't sit up, she couldn't get out of the bed, she couldn't move. Uh, she said it felt like somebody was literally sitting on her chest and she could not move. And once she got up, you know, we just we abandoned the place and went for a walk to get to get away. Um, but that was the the really big incident that I remember with her and the one that really kind of shook me and, and was the first time I was actually ever scared of what was happening around us. Yeah, well, it definitely sounds scary. I mean, you're a kid and you're trying to, you know, grow up and and understand the world around you. And when that when you're when you're a kid and you're doing those things, the number one person you look in your life for protection is your parents, your mom and your dad. And so when something like that happens to mom or dad, it it, it, it I imagine it leaves the kid feeling like, oh, crap, like who's going to protect me? You yeah. know, 
Yeah, totally vulnerable at this point. And and we had mentioned in that in our quick pre-interview there that my grandmother had told me when we were kids, and she told all my sisters this, that every third generation in our family had were, she said, attached by haints. And and I took a haint to mean like a ghost, you know. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean we're susceptible to ghosts? What is, what what what, did, what does that even mean? But I think what it meant was that uh, it, in her experience, or maybe she was told that uh, in in our bloodline or in our family line or whatever line that was, that you are just more susceptible or more open to or more in tune with something that's going on in the paranormal. And that's what I always took it to mean. And that's how I kind of internalized and dealt with the things that I deal with, you know, and, and I, it's weird because I've always had a, a, a strange comfort knowing that my kids won't have to deal with it, but possibly their kids, kids, you know, and, and, it, and it's weird to even think about that because it's so long and, and so far between that you go, you know, I'm, I'm not really going to worry about it now because I've handled it well. And, it, you know, I've, I've not been, it hasn't killed me. You know, I've, I've been scared a few times and, and been concerned a couple times. But outside of that, uh, you know, it, it's nothing that's that's unimaginable or, you know, I don't think that anything really evil has happened or come of it. Uh, but you don't want your kids experiencing that, you know, and I don't, I don't want to have to explain to them, you know, I don't want to have to go on a, on a, on an explanation tour of what a haint is, you know, I'd have to go look that up. Yeah. That, that's one of the things where, you know, even with me and doing what I do and stuff, I, I, I envision myself down the road here, like my son, he's going to be turning four in December and he uh, knows that when daddy goes downstairs in the basement, he's working. Uh, he's now starting to say things like when I'm going downstairs, daddy, you going to call somebody? Or recently he said, are you going to do an interview? And I'm like, yep, I'm going to go do an interview, you know? And uh, I, yeah. I envision there is a day coming, probably not in the far distant future, where uh, the conversation is going to be had of what am I interviewing? What am I talking about? What am I talking about when I call people? And uh, I'm going to have to cross that path one day with both of my kids explaining to them what do I what I do and why I do it. And the content that the the content that I'm covering, uh, what is that all about? And that's the hardest part I think is going to be for me is not just saying, oh, I have people to, you know, and talking to a little kid, People tell me they're, they're scary ghost stories, you know? It's the ghost stories part that I'm going to have to explain as to, uh, w- what do you mean? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. that's not supposed to be real, yeah. right, Dad? Uh, well, son, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. But I think that with the current culture and understanding, and I know we'll get into Hatman here in a second, but with the current culture, with ghost adventures and, you know, paranormal society and all these TV shows that are on, I think that that that, uh, you know, that's kind of been broken in now and people understand that, you know, either those are for entertainment purposes only or you've experienced some of that stuff and you understand it and, and you can kind of understand what these folks are out there hunting for and what they're trying to affirm and what they're trying to record that that there's something going on. Either there's a thin veil and it gets lifted occasionally or you know, we're in a dimension and, and you're living several lives, whether you, I don't know if you, if you're a fan of any of that, but there is something going on that we don't quite understand. And watching poltergeist for the first time as a kid, when they had all that recording equipment set up and, you know, and watching all that go down, I thought, okay, 
this is a pretty cool movie because these people are trying to capture what I'm experiencing or what I have experienced. And that's pretty neat. But then to flip another 25 years before you actually get, you know, better real recording devices that are, that are really picking up on some of these things. And, uh, you know, it's kind of surreal when you, when you look back through your life and you go, eh, you know, I could have really gotten into this stuff, but, uh, but it was one of those things that I kind of, I kind of kept at arm's length because, you know, I had other goals or other things in mind and, and I was busy doing, I kept myself really busy. Uh, and I think that, uh, a lot of that was for that reason. So I didn't deal with these things. Yeah. Well, I, and you know, it, it all depends on the person as to whether you want to deal with the stuff or not, you know, but I imagine if you dealt with a lot of it, uh, you would have had some really interesting experiences. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, just growing up and being able to, to sleep all night, you know, was a big deal, uh, to me. And, and I thought that everybody was like that. You know, I didn't realize that, that people weren't woken up, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, the, through my whole youth didn't understand that, uh, you know, that wasn't normal that, you know, there were people out there experiencing, you know, restful night sleep every evening, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of alarming when you, when you look at that and you go, okay, but as an adult, you know, you, you turn that around and, and you start ignoring it and you take, I guess you take that power away from whatever it is that's, that's trying to, influence or, you know, break into your, your peacefulness as, as I saw it, you know, I, I kind of saw myself in this bubble and I wouldn't allow any of that to kind of spread over into my world anymore. And that's really when I kind of started to cut it off. Yeah. I understand that. Uh, well, let's, let's hit the hat man then. Uh, cause you mentioned <laughs> it just a few minutes ago and I, I honestly almost forgot to hit on it. It's on my list, but I, I just, my mind said, we're already done with that. So tell us about the hat man experiences. So we, we move into a new place and I, you know, I have new bedroom and I get the new bedroom all set up. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 11 years old at the time and I set my room up the way I want to set my room up. The, the history of this particular house, the, the lady that, that lived there that moved out owned all of the property around it at one time. Uh, and her husband, this is the story I got. I've never confirmed it. I've never really looked into it. Super nice lady. I used to do all kinds of chores and work for on the side. Uh, when I, even when I was a kid, uh, but her husband supposedly had died, you know, of all, of all things working on a toaster that I guess was plugged in, in the house and, and was electrocuted. And we moved in and of course I hear this story and I'm thinking, great, <laughs> you know, the, the, nothing, what good can come of this, you know, but, but, you know, benefit of the doubt, you know, we're going to, we're going to make the best of this. You know, my, my parents had that talk and, you know, don't worry about it. You know, that's, that's old wives tales. Nothing's going to happen. So I get, get this room set up first night sleeping in this bedroom. There's a weird glow in the corner and it's from a radio that that i had uh, like a head-end unit that had an eight track player in it i mean this is how old we were and i had my first eight track stereo set up in my bedroom and there was a green weird glow that came from this stereo but there was a shadow in the corner of this room and it was of a tall figure had shoulders had a neck had a head and had a hat on and it was a kind of a wide brim hat not a cowboy hat 
but a wide brim hat. And I, I remember laying there for hours, literal hours, staring and studying this thing. I knew every inch of it, every millimeter, where it outlined in the room, where exactly where it was. So, of course, I turned the radio off to, to kill the light. It's still there. You know, there's no green glow, but it is darker than the dark of the room. And the room was pitch black. I, I sealed the windows. Yeah, I made sure that everything was as dark as dark could be. But that figure was darker than the darkest light in the room, which is which is weird. You know, it, it, you, I could still see it. I've always had really, really, really good night vision. Uh, but I could still see this figure, no matter if I turned, you know, the lights on, the lights off. Didn't matter. That figure was still there. And he was there. I, I say he, you know, I'm assuming. I don't know. Um, but it was in that room. I would say 90% of the time there were nights where I'd go to bed and look over. And it was just one of those things where I would never get into bed without looking over there and seeing if it was there or not. And there were nights it was gone. And there were nights that, that I would even try to replicate what could, what's different. You know, what, what, is there anything that I've done differently in this room? Is there any light that was on that's off? Is, you know, or it is my, are my blinds, you know, I had, uh, vertical blinds with a with a roll-up shade that was behind the blinds to to black out the room and you know is that up is it down you know is there is there anything different and you know nothing changed and it would go i don't know sometimes a week sometimes two weeks and then boom he's back and just no movement no contact whatsoever hat was always on always the same exact figure. And it was just one of those things. So I got to a point where this went on for, I don't know, a few years where I would get in bed and I'd see it and I'd be like, Hey, you're back, you know? And I, it, and I would just start acknowledging it. And, and then I could go to sleep and it didn't bother me. But when that, when it first started happening, I was, I mean, I was just terrified. I would lay and just look at that thing for hours every night and it never moved it you know there were no red glowing eyes there were there was no tipping of the hat you know none of that and it was always present and then disappear so i'd be like oh that man's on vacation and you know just go about go about your 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 night and you know move on and then you know it's been I had never, never really talked to anybody about it. And in the last, I don't know, 10 years, maybe, we've seen paranormal shows with people talking about this hat man that appears in rooms and all the theories about what it is. And I'm telling my wife about this. I go, you're not going to believe this. But there was a hat man in my room from the time I was like 11 years old. And she's, you know, so then we have, you know, this huge conversation about it and then we start researching it. What is it? What you know, the theories that, you know, if we live in a, in a game environment or an alternate reality, and that could be the game master that's in there, you know, just kind of observing it, you know, all these different theories about it. But, you know, my, my, my theory was always as a kid that it was the guy that died in the house. And, you know, he just didn't like me being in that room. And that's what I felt. And that's what I always thought, whether that was true or not, have no idea. 
but that was the feeling I got is every time I would look at that thing, that's exactly what I would feel is this was, you know, the guy that, that lived here and he's just watching me, <laughs> which was strange, but you know, it, it, it was there. There wasn't anything I could do about it. Jeez, that, that, that's crazy. Yeah. And so this thing, it, it literally didn't do anything other than appear. It never moved on you and, and nothing. Nothing. Never moved, you know, and, and now that I think about it, there may have been, there may have been a time where the hat was off, but I don't, re- you know, it, there's something in the back of your mind that says, yeah, it changed at one time or another, but I don't, you know, I can't remember that plainly, but as you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, I just remember it being the same shape, the same place. It never moved. It never moved corners. It never went to another part of the room. It never moved towards me, you know, and I've, I've heard all these stories and I've watched, you know, these television shows where they talk about it moving and, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. Mine never moved. It was always in the same place and it just sat perfectly still. And it would be there until, I don't know, six, seven o'clock in the morning. And then it would disappear before the sun came up, you know, any of that stuff. And it was darker than dark. And even in the darkest of dark light, I could pick it out. I could tell exactly where it was all the time. And it's just very strange, you know, and, and, and it's just one of those strange things that you, you know, it's, how do you explain that to somebody? You go, hey, there's this big dark figure with a hat on in my room every night. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't talk to me. It doesn't move. It doesn't, you know, nothing like that, but it's just there. And, you know, and it was there for years. And, you know, when we moved, it didn't follow us. It didn't show up at any other house. So I often wonder if the people that are living there now, if that hat figure is in that house. And when we, when we travel back to that area on occasion, I always want to stop and knock on the door and ask whoever's sleeping in that room, but I never have. Well, you got it, man. Like, I mean, what, what's the worst? They're going to think this guy's crazy and they're never going to see you again. Who cares? <laughs> I know it. I know it. You know, in what... We we moved to to our new house. We we moved to the Midwest, and we moved into into a house. We'd been there for a couple of months, and we read a. I think we read one of our kids uh, a dance recital, or or um, you know one of those uh, you know, uh, gymnastics events or something. We came home after we had moved in, and it was right. It was within within a few months of my dad passing away, about nine or ten years ago. And uh, we get upstairs, the girls' bedrooms are all upstairs, and uh, we go upstairs and you walk through a game room and you, to get to their wing of, of the house. And every picture that was on the walls in that game room had been taken down and set against the wall nicely. There was no damage. There was nothing like all the, you know, the pictures were on hooks. So these were heavy metal frames and and i like a particular artist you know this guy named michael bedard and he does the sitting duck prints so we have all of his artwork and it's you know the duck sitting at the pool with his drink and he's got two bullet holes above his head and you know the ship of fools all the ducks are in the middle of a hurricane and they're having a grand old time on a boat so i like all of his art and i put it in our in our game rooms in, in our in our house i've collected it for years and uh we we get home and all of this artwork and there's probably 11 pieces maybe uh, that are all taken off the security hooks and just set nicely on the ground against the wall. 
and everybody like everybody freaks out. They're like, somebody's been in the house. Somebody's been in though. Nobody's been in the house. You know, nobody that we can see. But you know, it's one of those questions. You know, is this your is is this your dad playing a practical joke? Has he been the one all along? That's that's been the attachment here, and it just brought a lot of those discussion points to us. It's like you know, he was a practical joker his whole life. But, you know, is he the one that that has been the connection here and he's just showing that now? I don't know. You know, so a lot of questions came out of that and it, it, just very strange. Our youngest daughter used to tell us she was about two at the time and she would tell us that he would come every night and tell her good night and give her a kiss. And, and, and she really didn't know him, after you know, once we moved there because she hadn't seen him. He had passed, you know, a year before. But as she, as she started talking and becoming more verbal, it just like your son started asking those questions, she would just come out and tell us every night that, hey, Papa comes into my room, tells me good night, gives me a kiss, and then he disappears. <laughs> and we're just both standing there with our mouths open going, what? <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it's definitely something he would do. Wow. <laughs> All right, let's take a second to talk about our sponsor for today's show, which is Startmail. Listen, friends, if you're not privatized on your email service, you got to be. Listen, free email services like Gmail and Yahoo are not really free because you're paying with your privacy. In fact, internet giants like Big Tech bank on exploiting your data by selling to the highest bidder. We've known this for years, but Google has your business plan. If it's in your email, they have it. And if you have medical records in your email when it comes to Yahoo, they sell them to drug companies. This is stuff that actually happens in real life. And that's why I use Startmail because it makes me feel safe again on the internet. Startmail is also backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. So you have the backing of a government that actually cares about people's privacy. And you can also encrypt your emails. Even if the recipient doesn't use encryption, you can encrypt your emails on your end for your privacy. When you delete an email on Startmail, it's just gone forever, period, end of story. And if you run a business and you're thinking it is such a headache to switch companies when it comes to email providers, I don't know if all my emails will switch over. Listen, switching to Startmail is seamless. You can easily transfer all your current data. So there's no starting over from scratch. I have been using Startmail. I'm enjoying my experience with Startmail, especially the encryption option because it's nothing to search for in their platform. It's right there. As soon as you're writing the email, it's in the top right hand corner. It's a toggle switch. You just hit the toggle switch and you're good to go. And when it comes to familiarity, everything that you're looking at in Startmail looks extremely similar to the other providers of email that we have come accustomed to. So there's a lot of familiarity with it already. You're not going to have to spend days trying to learn a new system. It's all really compatible to the way you already do your emailing. And right now, you can start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash confessionals. That's startmail with a T, S-T-A-R-T, mail.com slash confessionals for 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash confessionals. Go and start privatizing your email today. Your wife mentioned to me in the email how she never believed in ghosts until she married you. Uh, is, is that is that because of specific things happening like that, or what, did anything ever happen to her? 
I, I think that it's specifically geared towards what she has witnessed that has happened to me and around me. Uh, I don't, I don't think she experienced any of that stuff growing up. Uh, she's, she's been fascinated by it. And I think that as she's experienced it, that's, you know, one of the reasons she's gotten extremely involved in your podcast. Uh, she, you know, we, we do ghost hunting and those kinds of things, but she has a strong interest in that realm, you know, and, and she's, she's super educated, super smart. And, uh, you know, and, and most people would, would look at her and go, are you crazy? You know, you're, you're interested in this stuff. But I think that that piqued her interest because she actually witnessed it. She's not being told by somebody. They actually, you know, this is what I saw or this is what happened. She's been in the middle of it and saw it happen. And uh, I think that really piqued her curiosity and got her involved. Yeah. And then that makes much sense. more so than I am involved or my curiosity is piqued because I've lived with it for half a decade or for, for half a century. Yeah, I mean, it, your curiosity doesn't need to be piqued, you know. <laughs> you know? So no, no, mine needs to be toned down. You know, it's like I'm not curious as to what's causing it because I don't think there's a real answer for it. I would be curious as the data comes in and people start to understand it a little more, where it's coming from or why it happens. I would love to understand that, but I don't know that that answer is going to be uh, obtained anytime soon. I think we're getting better at it. I think that the technology is getting better. I think the techniques are improving on collecting that data, but I don't, I don't know that there's going to be a real answer for it, you know, anytime soon. I hope there is. Certainly you hope there is. And we start explaining some of these things in these shows, you know, educating people that these things do happen. It is real and people experience it. They're not crazy. You know, these are people that get up every day, the same as anyone else. They're professionals. You know, I'm a retired police officer. So I would go to people's houses that, that are experiencing things like this and they'd go, look, you're going to think I'm crazy. And inside I'm thinking, well, no, not really. (laughs) (laughs) I'll listen to it and I'll investigate it, you know, but I can only investigate the physical portion of it, you know, and typically you do a quick walkthrough, you know, there's nobody here and, and you move on. And it's just part of it. Yeah, I understand it. I get it. You know, I, I feel for you. And how you deal with it's gonna gonna be uh, kind of your prerogative. This is the, this is how I've dealt with it, and I'm not going to share that with anybody. But you know, I've internalized a lot of it and found very few people to talk about it with because it's just one of those things. You don't want to be judged as as crazy or you know schizophrenic or you know any of those things that you run into. And I've dealt with a lot of schizophrenic people, and yes, there there is a medical condition there. But there's there's also this whole other spectrum that I think we don't fully understand that happens regularly and it's present and it's in our lives. And some people are just more closely connected to it and can feel it and interact with it. I agree with you, man. I agree with you. Uh, I think that sometimes people might be even misdiagnosed. And uh, I, yeah. it's a shame because they, they, they probably just go into things thinking, okay, I'm crazy. Um, but let me ask you this. You brought up the police officer thing, which I did not know. Uh, did you ever have a call where it's more paranormal and like something like you walked in and you're like, holy crap, because like th- th- whenever I hear 
somebody like you, where you were a police officer and you suggest that mm-hmm. you, you, were, you had calls that were more paranormal, the story that always pops in my mind, it's a, it's a pretty well-known story. I, I would love to have this lady on the show. And I, I think I tracked her down, but I, I, and I think I have her number, but it's like one of those things where it's awkward to call her because it's like, hi, you don't know me and please don't ask how I got your number, but can you come on my podcast? <laughs> <Right>. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> right, right. So right. Or she, you were referred to me by, you know, I'd love to talk yeah, to you. Yeah. And so, but she, she, I think her and her family were living in Gary, Indiana and uh, it, it, her house was called the demon house. And basically yeah. her kids were possessed. Her son was walking up walls. There was something that was living underneath their stairs in the basement. The police were called. The police had experiences. The police caught things on picture. The people, the police found physical evidence. They, they, the police saw the slime coming down the wall. It's all in the police reports. Like this was a real thing that happened. And I, I, I'm not yeah. like I, more than likely, you probably never had that kind of experience, but did you ever have anything that was just like, wow, yeah, this is kind of little off. Yeah, and, it, and you know what's what's strange about that particular house is that's the one that Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures yeah. ended up purchasing, and they they did a segment in there, and you know they did all these different things, and and I think his vision is affected to this day from what happened in that house, and we've had that conversation multiple times that you know these things when the the you know the demonic presence I've never really felt like I've dealt with a true demonic presence i think that the that first uh, trailer that we lived in uh as a kid i'm pretty sure that that was like a, a poltergeist that was happening there because weird things would happen you know stuff thrown from walls and pictures tossed and you know sinks uh, faucets coming on and turning off and you know toilets flushing on their own crazy stuff like that would happen but as a as a cop, the, you know, one of the, one of the most realistic issues that I can recall is I went to this house and there was a, there was a teenage boy there that was home by himself. And he actually called nine one one because there was a huge, he, he described it as a huge crash. He said, it sounded like some, a car crashed through the wall and he, he it scared him out of his wits. When I pulled up, this kid was just petrified. I mean, he was, he was beyond terror. He couldn't even move. He was almost catatonic. And he said there was a crash and that he was certain that something crashed through the house. And it wasn't the first time it happened. He said it, it happened on minor occasions, but you know, this time it sounded like really bad. And he felt like, um, there was somebody in the house or something was happening in the house. And he was explaining to me, once I got him to talk, he was a little calmed down and, and, uh, and a little more verbal that this isn't the first time this has happened, that there's all kinds of strange noises that happen all the time that he can't explain people talking and he, he could hear them talking, but he couldn't find them. He was the only one home, no one around, but he would hear these people talking and it sounded like they were arguing, but they were doing it in a whisper. And he said it was almost like they, one was on one side of his head and one was on the other side of his head talking in one ear each. And he could hear that conversation, but he couldn't make out what they were saying. And, you know, and as he's talking about this, that's what's rolling through my head is, you know, there's something going on in this house that's beyond, you know, whatever. And and I, you know, I, of course, checked the house physically. The house was fine. There was nothing going on in there. And and I, you know, reassured him, got hold of his parents, let him know that we'd made a call there and, and, and kind of closed that call out and went on. 
but I, you know, I always thought about that kid and maybe what he was experiencing and was he experiencing the same kinds of things I was experiencing, but in a more violent way. And, you know, it's just one of those incidents. And then deal with the other side, you know, where you get a, you get a call to go out that somebody has, you know, they, they report that somebody broke into their house and stole all the, all the, uh, plumbing fixtures out of their toilet, you know, kind of thing. you go, okay, that, that's more on the schizophrenic side. And there's usually some drugs involved in that call. But, but that particular call with this, this young man made me think that he may be experiencing the kind of things that I experienced as a kid, but to a different level. You know, I imagine that there has to be a pretty significant amount of police officers out there that would have similar type stories, varying in content and context. But uh, I, I imagine that police, they they would have these more bizarre stories to share of, you know, homes they had to respond to or supposed break-ins and they show up and nothing's there, but weird things happened. And uh, Right. I, well, well, think about the UFO phenomenon for a minute. And when we lived in Kentucky, (laughs) again, you know, going back, you know, stroking my memory here for a minute, I remember walking outside and we were at a neighbor's house and there was like a little get together at a neighbor's house. (laughs) And I know this is going to sound crazy, but there were two UFOs (laughs) that flew by and they were perfectly silent. There was a large disc and a small disc. And these things, and everybody was freaked out. Everybody saw it. My entire family, their entire family, and probably most of the people on the block that were outside. And this place wasn't far from Fort Knox, Kentucky, you know, where the where the big military base is there. But these two objects flew, and they were probably, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 feet maybe above treetop level. And they went right over the backyard of where we were. And they were completely silent. You couldn't hear anything. There was no propulsion sound, you know, no jet sound, no no turbine, no blades, nothing. They went by and they were at a pretty good pace. So they were moving. It was a large one and a small one following. And I remember my mother went in and called the police department and asked if anybody was reporting this. And they asked her how much she had been drinking. So we, you know, we all thought it was hilarious, thought it was funny. Well, about six months later, maybe we're in this, the, the house where I saw the, the, the apparitions around the, uh, the room, there was a football shaped object that landed in the field next door. My sisters, everybody in the window, watched this thing completely silent sat down it had, it had lights on it. it they were multicolored and it sat there for 10 minutes and then took off boom like a shot gone we were all freaked out about it and there was a horse in that field named dusty that we used to always it was a neighbor's horse that we would always go over and feed carrots and apples to and you know just a nice old horse and uh and that horse would not move around the spot there was a spot on the ground that was it looked like somebody had had and before that there was no you know it's just pasture land and once that object landed and left there was a spot there that looked like you know a 15 foot round uh portable swimming pool had been sat there and grass would never grow in that section again the horse would not go near it the horse would walk around it 
um, just very odd, you know, and, and I, you know, totally, that totally skipped my mind as we're talking, you know, until, until we got into the, the UFOs and, and, and police officers and, you know, officials that are in that business see these things the first thought is always, is it worth the hassle to report this? You know, what are people going to think, you know, if I say I saw something like this and, you know, it's a shame that you have to go through that checklist of going, okay, I know I saw something. And then you start second guessing yourself on whether or not you should actually report it. You know, it's a, it's a weird dichotomy that we deal with in, in our society. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. And I, I would, I, you know, I would take this opportunity right now just to speak to the audience. And if there's anybody out there that is in law enforcement or any kind of emergency response that has these kind of stories or even just one story that kind of blew your mind, uh, please reach out to me and let me know because I, I'm, I'm very interested in having those kind of stories on the show, uh, you know, bringing in a different element, you know, because we don't have a ton of you know, police officers on the show. I know uh, recently I aired one where it was a police officer, but uh, you know, that we, we get a lot of, you know, everyday people and people who, from all different walks of life. But I'd like to just, you know, say, you know, anybody in that kind of field or even military, uh, you know, who served overseas and had bizarre things happen, you know, I, I would like to talk to those kind of people. Uh, what, what part of Kentucky uh, did this happen at the UFO again? Uh, Louisville. Yeah, it was over in Western on the western side and uh yeah you're right right near fort knox and there i guess there was a lot of uh, strange sightings and this was in the early 70s uh there was a lot going on up there and you know it was just it was just one of those things and kind of took it in stride with all the other stuff that happens but i think that you're you're kind of on the cusp there with a lot of there there are a lot of people in law enforcement that are out you know, at odd hours of the night on patrol, doing whatever and see things and second guess them or don't report them or internalize them because they don't want to be uh, disparaged in any way, you know, for, you know, any kind of dereliction of a duty or making up a story. But these things happen and, and they're becoming more and more and more prevalent. And, you know, my personal opinion is that, you know, these aren't aliens we're dealing with. You know, my personal opinion is we've had this technology for a long time and it's out there and it's being tested. And we see it when it's being tested, especially if you're near a military base, especially if you're near uh, wide open spaces out, you know, out in the, out in the Midwest, you know, and, and you'll see things out there. Phoenix the Phoenix lights were always, you know, interesting to me because of how populated that area is and what are the needs for lights, you know, on these vehicles? If you're from outer space, why would you need lights on your vehicle? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think if you're coming through a different dimension, that's probably the last thing you're going to need is, you know, some identifying markers. Uh, but yeah, I think that's all technology that's internal that that's, that's been tested it's being perfected and honed and tuned and and you just you know see folks out in it testing it you know that's a good point i, I and that's a, that's a really logical thing to to question too is, is why would ufo's have lights on i mean you can go down the road of you know well they want to communicate and they're they're trying they're they're doing things like that or they know once they arrive if they want to make themselves known they need to be able to do that somehow uh, all these different theories that you could shoot holes in, even as you speak it out loud. Uh, 
it, you know, it, if you're flying through space, you know, what do you need the lights for? It's not like you have need headlights or maybe you do need headlights to see rocks. I don't know. Like, like but if you're so, if, but, if, but if you're so far advanced in technology, you would think that you'd have some kind of propulsion system to keep those things pushed away from you. Like there's tons of different, you know, things you can go down to think, thinking about and stuff. But uh, yeah, that's a good question. Why, why do UFOs have lights on them? Uh, that, that's one yeah, for people. And, and that was the big thing. That was even the question in what, 1974, I think when this thing landed in our, in the, in the pasture next door to our house was why did it have lights all over it like that? You know, what, what was the point of that? It, and, and, uh, you know, my sisters and I talk about that for years because, you know, it's just, it, it's, that's something you hope to happen until it happens. And it, it scares the crap out of you. It's like, what was that? And why did they land here? Yeah, so let me ask you this. Uh, speaking of UFOs, it kind of goes along with it, but probably not. Um, orbs. Are, are orbs something that kind of follows, follows you throughout your whole life, or is it just one yeah. specific incident? No, I think that orbs in general, um, I've always had a, I've always had a strong connection and, and I can't tell you what it is. Can't tell you what they are. I have no idea. I think they're, they're specific energy levels of, you know, of something out there. Um, but you know, any kind of photograph, especially if, if we're out and, <laughs> and I'm being photographed there, there always seems to be orbs in my photos, you know, at night, if there's ambient light out or if there's, uh, street lamps or anything like that off in the distance, I always am surrounded by a lot of orbs. And that's, that's one of the things that my wife finds kind of interesting. And, and I think kind of scary at the same time, you know, in these, in these photos, it's like, why are all of these things surrounding you? And I don't have the answer to that. Yeah. And most people don't and stuff. I mean, uh, what do you think that orbs are more of a spiritual thing? I think they, I, I think they could be spiritual energy. I, I, I don't know that they're a, I don't know that they're a, a protection or any kind of a, a layer of protection, but who knows? I was in a motor, I was in a motorcycle accident, in 1994 and uh, it was a pretty bad accident. And I remember uh, a lady pulls out in front of me and I, I T-boned her, you know, running like 55, 60 miles an hour. And I, I, the only, the only choice, the only option I had was to jump over her roof. So basically I leaped, caught my feet on her roof, flipped over backwards, hit my head on the ground and slid, you know, a couple hundred feet, uh, on my back helmet was flat. I get up from this thing and walk to the side of the road. And, <laughs> and there are two nuns standing there with shopping bags. And I'm thinking, well, you know, that's weird. You know, I'm in, I'm in Southwest Florida. I don't see nuns anywhere at any time, but they're standing there with these shopping bags and it's, it's as real as anything else that I've ever dealt with. And I walk to the side of the road and I sit down on the side of the road, take my helmet off and I look up and they have a full conversation with me telling me to, to not worry about it. Ambulance is on the way you know, that, that EMS is coming and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I've got this. And then people start pulling over and they're running up with cell phones, asking me who I need to call. And I said, well, you know, EMS is on the way. So the, everybody gets there <laughs> and the, the, uh, the motor patrol cop that's working the scene comes up and he asked me, you know, he's asking me what happened. 
And I said, well, you know, this lady pulls out in front of me. He goes, yeah, she tried to leave. We had some cars. They stopped her down at the next intersection. They, you know, they got her stopped. And I said, but these two nuns that were at the bus stop right here saw the whole thing. We, we had a whole conversation. And he looked at me like I had three heads. He goes, nuns? And I said, yes, two nuns, full habit, full everything. They were in full garb with shopping bags at this bus stop. They saw the whole thing. They're, they're the ones that call the EMS. And he goes, you know, we haven't seen any nuns here. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those surreal moments where you go, okay, maybe those were my, you know, my guardian caretakers, my guardian angels. I don't know, you know, and, and you get into that situation where you start asking yourself some pretty deep questions. Was I hallucinating? Was I delusional from the hit to the head? You know, I don't know, but I know I had a real conversation with them. I know they talked back to me We and I was lucid. I never lost consciousness. Um, but you, you get into those situations and go, okay, maybe these are the people that are watching out for me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, when you talk about like angels and things like that, um, on a biblical level, angels are described to be able to transform their bodies and, and appear in many, many forms. And so, you know, it makes you wonder if those were some kind of guardian angel, uh, or angels looking after you and they appeared in the form of nuns to not freak you out any more than you just had an accident, you know? Cause <laughs> I mean, people talk yeah, about, they were, they were very comforting. I mean, they, they were very kind they, they, you know, it's funny because, uh, if you ever listen to Eddie Murphy's very first album that he put out before he became famous on television and all that stuff, he put out an album. It was like a 33 sized album of his first standup. And there's a portion in there where somebody gets ran over. And if you ever hear it, I mean, it's just hilarious. So as a kid, I probably listened to that album a hundred times. As soon as this accident happened, that's what's playing in my head. You know, this, this whole accident of this, this guy that gets ran over. And then this other guy's like, what was that? He goes, I think you just ran somebody. So they, they keep backing up and running over him and running over. Him. And, and that, that whole stand up routine is playing through my head as I'm walking to the side of the road. And then these nuns appear out of nowhere. And we have this very calming conversation as other people, you know, once we finish that conversation, then the chaos kind of ensues where people are running up the cell phones, stuffing them in my face going, Hey, don't look at your knee. You know, <laughs> don't look down, don't look down. And, and you have that kind of conversation, but I was super calm by that point after the conversation I had with them or didn't have with them, depending on which way you want to see it. So, you know, it's one of those situations where you go, okay, that was a great calming factor in a, in a very chaotic situation. And, and, and I think they, they prepared me, you know, to go through what was going to happen for the rest of that day and week and month and six months, you know, of, of therapy and <laughs> learning, to, learning to walk again. Wow. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's interesting that now I, I, mean, I don't want to forget because I almost forgot this too. And I wanted to make sure I, I talked to you about this. Uh, your wife referenced in the email that you see colors with music. Now, I, yes. I, I've heard of this before. And I don't know if this is something that science has studied and confirmed it happens, but I have heard of this before. So uh, tell me about this stuff. Yeah, and there's a name for it. I can't tell you what it is off the top of my head, but we, we actually looked into it and we studied it a little bit. And a lot of my memorization comes into play with colors and sounds. So when I listen to music, I really don't hear lyrics. You know, I've listened to songs for 
40 years that I can't tell you what the lyrics are in that song, but I can tell you what the color patterns are that I see in my head when it plays, which is, which is really strange, you know, and, and it, I guess it's more, it's more popular than, than I thought it was as, you know, I thought that everybody, you know, saw this. And then I found out that, well, maybe not, you know, maybe, maybe there are only a few people, but I think as we dug into it, there's a, there's a term for it. And I, you know, I just can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, but, but I'm not alone. And there are people out there that see colors and even feel colors when music plays. And I know it sounds strange, but, uh, all of our girls were, were musicians. They all played piano growing up and, uh, you know, violin and, you know, whatever instrument. And I would love nothing more than to go to their concerts or, or watch them practice, just sit there with my eyes closed and experience the, the flow of color. Uh, as much as I like it, you know, uh, driving, you know, my car with the music blaring, you know, I enjoy that as well, but it's a, it's a different experience. If, if I'm in a symphony or if I'm in a, a at a concert music hall, um, I experience it on a much deeper level uh, because I think the sound is pure. Uh, I'm in a I'm in a better place for it, uh, but I definitely experience uh, colors with notes, and it's the same note, same color. So it's it's pretty consistent. It sounds beautiful. It really does. It is. It really is. It really is. It's, and it's something that you know I didn't I didn't realize you know because I've experienced it like that my whole life. I thought everybody did. And I, you know, it's one of those things that you really wish other people could experience when they can't. Um, it's, it's really neat. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty neat concept and you know, it, it's better with certain types of music with classical music. Uh, you know, it, it's, it seems to be more pure and rich. Uh, but you know, even with rock and roll, we'll go listen to live band tonight and, you know, if I sit at that table, <laughs> you know, or if I'm on a dance floor and I close my eyes, I see color. You know, I see colorful notes and it's it's just how it's been forever. Do you play any instruments? I don't. I don't play a single instrument. Wow. I'm 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 never actually have. surprised you never tried pursuing that because uh, it, yeah. it it's one it almost makes me feel like you could have been uh, some kind of savant, but also <laughs> uh, like the the deep emotion you probably could have felt by playing your own music would have been on another level probably and that's that's very possible uh i was never geared or pushed in that direction or you know never nudged i've always been a sports fanatic i love football love basketball love tennis you know and those are my those those were the loves of my life growing up never had time for piano or strings or anything like that i've always enjoyed music always it's always been part of my life you know put on the old walkman you know from the time i was 12 years old you throw your walkman on and go to the gym and you work out you know and nowadays it's it's airpods you know and, and they're always in music's going podcasts are going you know you're always involved in something like that but I, i've never been musically inclined and and i don't know if it's if it was out of frustration early on because i'm left eye dominant but i'm right-handed so, you know, crazy stuff like I'm a crosshand golfer, you know, <laughs> you get on a golf course and you're a crosshand golfer. People look at you kind of funny going, what are you going to do with that? Oh, you can hit the ball pretty good if you pay attention, you know, <laughs> but, and I shoot funny, you know, it's a, I, when I shoot, I'm right handed. 
But, you know, again, I'm leveling with my left eye and it, it does create some dilemma, you know, in precision and things like that. But but my hand-eye coordination has always been excellent. I've never had an issue with it. Yeah, I, I'm the but same the way. the thing has always been strange. You know, it's it's always been strange to me. It's been enjoyable, uh, but I would love to be able to share that gift with other people and, and let them experience it. I mean, maybe the only way you can, you can experience that, I guess, on the regular is with MDMA. I don't know. <laughs> You know, it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. So go to a rave, you know, look for that guy and then see if maybe it's possible. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned about basketball. I got to ask you, what's your team? Do you know, do you have a team? Well, I'm more college oriented. So okay. it's the, it's the Kentucky Wildcats, of course, yeah. you know, always. Yeah. So, you know, never really as a kid. It was always the 76ers. Oh, know, my man. Moses Malone. My man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I was, I was a, I was a Philly fan forever. Awesome. You know, and for, for those teams, I was an Eagles fan, no affiliation to the area. I just love their teams, love their players. My man, I'm from the Philly area. Those are my teams. <laughs> okay. You're speaking yeah, my cool. love language. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, those were the oh. years though. You had Jaworski and, Carmichael, I mean, all those guys were just awesome. Yeah. You know, it was great to watch, you know, good, good entertainment, great athletes. Man, yeah. And you had, you know, Charles Barkley, Dr. J, Moses Malone, oh, all on the same man. team. Like those, those times were epic. Those guys were just great to watch. You had Moat Cheeks just draining it from yeah. three all the time. Yeah, good stuff. And, and you know, now now the Sixers got a, a young kid who has all the talent in the world, but refuses to shoot a jump 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 shot. And, <laughs> and, and 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 now he's he's saying, "I refuse to return to the team." It's like, bro, like we don't want you back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? right. There's you know there used to be, and and I kind of lost interest in pros when when the loyalty to the team stopped yeah. and free agency became a thing. And then you're just a slave to the money and, you know, there's no loyalty there. There's no history. It's a, yeah, I think that, I don't know, for me, Michael Jordan was probably the last great, um, you know, sports player, you know, in, in that era before I kind of lost interest and moved on. Yeah, you know, and that's the and that's the funny thing is that you know the nostalgia of that idea carries through to this day where we had Dirk Nowitzki, uh, Kobe Bryant, mm -hmm. th these players who stuck with one team. It, it looks like Steph Curry is going to be that, and there's this loyalty that is appealing. Like other fan bases that don't have that guy wish they had that guy because they're so great and so loyal to the team. But people do forget that like Kobe Bryant was requesting a trade and was on his way to Chicago before they traded for Pau Gasol. And, and it's like people put him on this this pedestal of like Kobe Bryant would never do that. It's like actually he did right. do that, you know. <laughs> and so, right, anyways, here right. we go. Listen, I I I don't want to turn this into a basketball show. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, no, we could talk that for hours as well. Oh yeah, I mean, I I the, I don't have a basketball podcast, and I flirted with it over the years, on and off. One of these days, I might try starting it up again because I just love talking NBA basketball. It's my thing. But uh, but yeah, my knowledge ends at like. 1993 that's where mine that's where mine picks up <laughs> okay okay yeah. so yeah we, we could do a continuum there <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh so listen before we run out of here we talked about this briefly and i just want to kind of touch on it again before uh 
because I just want to see make sure that there's nothing else to it. You mentioned we talked about the electrical stuff that you you experience, uh, and you mentioned about the street lights going out. Is there any other things that you know you that come to mind that you are affecting electronics with? Like for instance, uh, my wife might be a similar type person when she gets highly stressed. Electronics around her fail. I'm talking about light bulbs go out that I just replaced a day ago, but she's living in a week of stress. Uh, to you know, just recently we were. Uh, out of town on vacation in a cabin and she's super stressed. There's no relaxing on vacation. You got two kids. It's running around. You're not in your home (laughs) environment. It just was, it was super stressful. And she opens her, her laptop up and the screen's blinking and having these weird lines going up and down. As soon as we get home, the computer hasn't done it again. And so like, like she, she tends to zap electronics, like her computer that she has right now. um, I have paid to have fixed twice within a two month period. Because it, it was there, like there was things failing with it, and it's not an old computer. And so, like she's like the rule in the house is you're not allowed in the studio touching my computer ever. So, like, uh, <laughs> is that like similar for that's, you? That's a good rule to have, and that's exactly what I deal with. Anything battery operated or low voltage is really a danger around my presence. Uh, whether that's the security system, you know, it's uh, you come home and and you're turning on or off your your home security system. And I have to be very careful how I approach it. If I and, it, and it's weird, but but you get used to it over time. And I have a very, I have become like anal retentive uh, when it comes to how I turn my electronics on and off in my vehicle. Uh, you know, the air conditioner always gets turned off. I don't start the vehicle with any appliances on. The air conditioner is always off. I make sure my headlights are always off. You know, anything that can be plugged in that when I start it, if there's a chance for a surge. It will, it just, it will blow and it it doesn't do it every time, of course, but it does it on a more frequent uh, occasion than I would care to have. And I think more frequently than it probably happens to other people, my phone, you know, how I approach it, how I handle it when I first pick it up in the mornings, um, I'm careful, you know, my laptop, I, I just, just got a new laptop three weeks ago. I've been dealing with it and it hasn't kind of gotten used to me yet. And all of the icons in the bottom kind of flash, 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 flash right now, which is weird. And, and and I've taken it and I've shut it down. I've set it aside. I've used the old laptop, you know, and then pulled it back in. And, you know, it's, it's almost like an introduction where you're getting these uh, you're getting these electronic devices used to your current and you're getting used to yeah. theirs. It's almost like a dance. And it's really weird and it's strange, but I've done it my whole life and, and I'm just kind of used to it now I, uh, where if something's not working for me. I set it aside, give it some time and come back to it. It's amazing you say that because that is exactly what it's like here at my house. I mean, it's literally like my wife has to build a relationship with the electronics around her that they adjust to her frequencies in order for them to operate properly. Almost as if the electronics, like what I know it sounds crazy. What we're talking about here is it sounds like the electronics have a, some kind of consciousness that they're like, Oh, okay, you're, you're giving me a lot of this power here. So I need to adjust over here to make sure we're working all properly. But that's what it's like. It's, it's like, it, after a while, things start running smoothly, but as soon as she starts getting stressed, it's like all of a sudden berserkness. Like just before yeah. leading up to vacation, she was highly stressed, and uh, the one light in the, the kitchen blew a couple times in about a week. And then my bathroom light uh, coming off our bedroom, we, it's one of those light fixtures that has three different light bulbs in it. It's one of those flat, stupid things that's annoying for me to change. And 
she the the light the light blue and so we we ordered some uh new light bulbs they came in and we put it in and then the next day it blows out and she goes to take it out and she said it was like burning hot and i'm like that sounds like an electrical problem uh don't put another light bulb in there kind of thing so we didn't we come back from vacation we put the light uh, another light bulb in there trying to keep an eye on it it's not it's not super duper hot it's working just fine and uh, i'm just like the that's why I have the rule here. Like, you do not come in my office and touch my computer. You can come in here. Stay like, away from my board. Yeah, like, like, like she can come in here. She can do whatever and stuff. Just don't touch the mixer board, the computer, the mouse, the nothing. Because we we can't just be replacing the studio equipment all the time. Because you thought it would be cool to touch it. Like, like I, I might put a Faraday cage around her when she has to use the microphones. I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you talk about that. I keep I keep my key in a Faraday pouch uh, for that very reason. You know, one, so, you know, uh, we drive fairly nice vehicles and I don't want anybody, you know, stealing the code and taking off in them, but, you know, keep it in a Faraday pouch. But I also do it to keep my batteries from draining so often Uh, because if I carry my key fob around in my pocket, that battery will drain. I'll, I'll change batteries every month. I literally buy a ton of those 2032 and 2025 uh, little flat batteries uh because i'm constantly changing them out of our key fobs and it's not because we use them heavily i think it's because i drain them have you ever tried shooting not shooting i won't say shooting your wife have you ever tried (laughs) recording your wife with an emf meter a full spectrum or like a heat gun to see what her aura looks like because and I'll tell you why. The, the business that I'm in now, the, the the profession that I'm in now, we use a lot of electronics and, and measuring devices and things like that. But I've had I've had people scan me with these things, and I literally have a double aura, one purple, one red, which you know is, is weird. You're either one end of the spectrum or the other. I have both um, in in my what what it shows as an aura that I project, which is really strange. You know, it's like, okay. So I, I put off a lot of energy. Wow. I, I no, I've never even thought about that. I have a K2 meter that measures EMFs, but it's, it's pretty basic. It just, it has like five or six lights that bounce up and down. And, uh, I, I've never, you know, put it on her forehead or anything. Um, uh, but I, what kind of equipment should I get? Because I'm, I'm thinking I might be, <laughs> I might be <laughs> try, shooting yeah, my wife with try, a heat gun. <laughs> full spectrum FLIR, you know, get that color FLIR kit. And, uh, it, you know, you can go down and, and borrow one. Fluke makes a great one. And you can scan her with that and look at the energy she's giving off. You know, you'll see a little bit of that that aura. And just you know, take, take note. Because <laughs> yeah, when it starts turning red, beware. Wow. 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 I've never, you're blowing my mind. I've never thought about this. Uh, it'd be really cool to experiment when she's highly stressed. And like, I know she's highly stressed because I'll come upstairs and be like, Hey, and she's like, hi, you know, and she's just like, you know, or she doesn't, it doesn't even look at me, you know? And I'm just like, Oh crap. It's not, it's one of those days. But yeah, uh, I've always been told as an adult that I put a lot of energy into a room. You know, when you, when you walk into a room, you, you create this energy. And I, I've had a lot of employees in the past that as soon as we got, you know, these, these guns are like thirteen, fourteen thousand $14,000. And they're, they're like, Hey, let's, let's see if that energy thing is real. And they start scanning me and they're like, what the hell? This is weird. You know, it's like, so there may be something to it. I don't know. Is there any way you could do something like that where you scan yourself, take pictures of whatever they're seeing and then send it to me? Cause I'd love to see an example. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, send me send me your email address, and uh, and I'll see if I can't get a a full spectrum shot. You know, we when we go uh, when we go down and and you know, I, my wife <laughs> signs me up for these things. I never know what I'm getting into, <laughs> but we'll go ghost hunting or whatever it is. You know, sometimes it might be a day at the spa, and I never know what's happening there either. But uh, you know, she she sets that program for me. But when we go ghost hunting, we'll always scan and take a look and, and see what kind of energy I'm giving off at that moment because it's always interesting. You know, I always find it interesting. And there's like this double aura, you know, that that shows up. So wow. strange, definitely strange. Uh, it's it, it it's strange, but it's really interesting. It's really interesting, and I think it I is. might. I might be more interested in this topic than maybe some people listening just because it affects me. I'm just like, maybe I can solve my wife, you know? (laughs) Well, and it's one of those things when it's close to home and you experience it, it's just like, just like my wife, you know, she had zero interest in this stuff. Now she's all into it, you know, because she sees that it, you know, there's something to it, you know, what is it? So she's, she's on that lifelong learner quest now where, uh, you know, to me, it's like, Hey, don't stir anything up. <laughs> I'm doing yeah. okay here. Uh, I'll tell you, anybody listening, if you email the show and we don't get back to you for a few weeks, it's probably because I have my wife in a lab sedated somewhere yeah. and I'm testing her. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and don't put that on me. Don't tell her I gave you any ideas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, man, listen, Dave, I appreciate you coming on and chatting with me. This has been fun. Ah, same, same. This was fun. This was good, you know, and, uh, you know, a nice trip down memory lane. I haven't talked about any of this stuff in, oh, man, a lot of years. So very interesting. I'm sure there's more that, you know, as as I'm wrapping up later with my wife, you know, who set me up for this. Um, I'm sure that we will have a conversation. I'll be like, forgot to talk about that and forgot to talk about this. But, uh, you know, if there's anything that comes to mind, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to shoot it to you and share that experience as well. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you can do to help this show grow. Just share it with your friends. And just a reminder, this Friday night, March 25th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we are going live on YouTube for the premiere, the public premiere of Expedition Dogman. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to go live afterwards with the cast and crew to talk about our experience experience in Kentucky. I know you're going to love it. So make sure you're setting your reminders because it is going to be legendary. All right, friends, until next week, stay safe, take care. And remember, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Bye. Awakened from the forest in the depths of the abyss. This creature is a paradigm of time lost and time itself. It fears no one. It adheres to no rule that man can create. It forges its own path, and yet its path remains hidden from the world. The sphere of its existence is beyond most comprehension as it exudes its power quietly but transcendent. It needs no one's approval to exist, but yet its very existence is sought after by many. It watches. It learns adapts to the ever-changing environment around it, even as the environment is wrought with corruption. It battles the corruption only when pressed or for the protection of others like it. It is a mirage that few will ever understand, 
It's a cornucopia of knowledge from an era long past. It's free. It's Bigfoot. My fantasies always consisted of making it big. My soul was nothing more than a bargaining chip. Marketing is what they tell you to do and what you're willing to give. Larping to the fullest extent. I don't wait, I shoot first like hiding on a rodeo. And these people don't understand me like reading a Nokian. Stretch thin, like pulling an accordion. My heart ain't primordium. All these historians telling us lies. Setting aside everything is medicalized. Politicians selling the ride. I better die where the relevance lies. They're dressing alike. Reptilians. My resilience is brilliant. I'm here to lead the rebellion on Hellion. Salient, alien with no melanin. I'm a Yeti hiding from Armageddon. Come and find me. I ain't even hiding. We ain't the same. I play no games. You do not know me. I don't hold back. I just speak facts. You cannot hold me. I'm under pressure. Oh, take back your strap. Yeah!